welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate the Wickedly Smart Women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create change all around the world. Now here's your host, Emerald Green Forest. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom and immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Emerald Greenforest, and today we have a very, very special guest, Penelope Jane Smith. Penelope is the premier financial freedom coach for women entrepreneurs and the go-to expert for some of the biggest names in the conscious business industry. She is an acclaimed international speaker and certified trainer with over 20 years of teaching experience and the author of The Little Book of Prosperity. And I have the distinct pleasure of having had a fairly long relationship with Penelope. We met probably in 2013 or 14 timeframe online. I've supported some of her launches. We've danced with one another at events and uh, spent time together. And this is the first time that I'm actually sitting down and getting to interview her. So I'm just really grateful for your time today, Penelope, and excited to dive in. Yes, I love what you're doing here, Emerald, and I'm super excited to be part of it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You are a very busy woman. You have a little one and you have a massively successful business. And I'm just really, uh, really grateful for your time today. And I want to talk with you about this path that you took to step into a leadership role in the area of prosperity. Can you give us a little bit of a backstory on exactly what brought you to today? Hmm, sure. So I actually, when I graduated college, I went and taught English in Japan for a couple of years. And I was thinking about what I wanted to do when I got back to the United States. And everything that I'd been taught, the idea of just going to a nine to five job for the next 30, 40 years, uh, commuting to San Francisco or wherever, it just really didn't appeal to me. <laughs> so I was feeling kind of depressed not quite depressed, but just like uh, not really knowing what I wanted to do. And I stumbled upon this big purple book. There were just a few English books at this little bookstore near the train station in Kisarazu um, in Japan. And it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I said, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it was this purple book. And I was like, what's this? And I bought it really without knowing what it was, just because it was, it sounded so interesting. And I read it and it like reawoke my entrepreneurial spirit from when I was a kid. Because when I was little, I used to run little businesses. I used to make cupcakes and sell them to my mom's clients. I used to run little contests for other kids at my school. I had all these creative projects. And that spirit kind of got stamped down and squashed down out of me in my formal education in school and college. And I was like, oh, there's another way there's another way. And so I would go to the English bookstore in Tokyo every chance I got and come back with like as many books as I could carry back on the train with me about business, 
sales, marketing, stock market, real estate investing, network marketing, accounting, like <laughs> whatever. Because I was like, okay, there's this whole other world and I want to learn about it. And I decided that I wanted to go into real estate. So from there, I, I went on to get my real estate license. I started out working in a mortgage company, went on to run a mortgage company, also worked as a real estate agent and then a broker. So I kind of like went up through the ranks in that business, did a lot of my own real estate investing. And I built an empire starting with $10,000 of my own money. I acquired over $6 million in real estate all over the US and I was on track to retire by the time I was 31. And then I lost everything in the crash and had to start all over again. And so I am really passionate about supporting other women entrepreneurs to avoid some of the painful mistakes that I made and also to dust themselves off and like rise again like a phoenix from the ashes if they have hit financial challenges. Mm, beautiful. I love your story. I love the idea of $10,000 of my own money to a $6 million empire. That is such a powerful, powerful story. And it's interesting because I, I come from a, a real estate background as well. I didn't have the uh, hunger that you did to figure out all the nuts and bolts and nitty gritty details of the businessy side of things, but I, I actually came from a real estate background myself as well. There was something that you said in there about when you were a kid that I just really want to pick up on because it feels really potent. And you said when you were a kid, you had a lot of creative projects. Mm -hmm. Somewhere, somehow in you, you have married creativity with entrepreneur. Oh, and yeah. so what I'd love to hear is you know, kind of how you actually channel your creativity and what happened after the crash that allowed you to actually lift yourself back up again. I'm guessing it was that you tapped into your creative power in order to uh, rebirth yourself. Would that be a fair thing to say? That was definitely part of it. I didn't think about it that way. But now that you say that, yeah, that completely makes sense. So there's kind of two questions there. Like how is my business an expression of my creativity? And how did I use my creativity to recover from the crash? So where do you want me to go first? First, uh, do the second one first. How did you use your creativity to recover from the crash? And okay. then and then we'll do this, uh, the first one second. Well, I think a lot of, you know, how, how do you tap into your creativity? I think a lot of it has to do with asking yourself questions. And the better the questions, the better answers you get and the more creativity flows from that, right? And so when, during the crash, when I lost everything, I finally understood those stories of Japanese businessmen flinging themselves off buildings when the market changes. Mm -hmm. Because I thought, oh my God, I've borrowed money from all these people that I care about to go in on deals together or do other real estate deals. And now I, you know, I can't pay them as agreed. And so for a while, the question I was sitting with was how can I kill myself? So it doesn't look like suicide. So my life insurance will pay these people back because I just didn't see any other way I could ever do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what shifted me and got me thinking creatively in more productive solutions 
was that I went to a workshop where I got invited to attend a high-level networking and masterminding group on a billionaire's private island. And it was a $50,000 investment to attend for the six-day mastermind. There were no payment plans, no refunds. And there was some creativity right there because I didn't have any income. I didn't have any savings. I didn't have any credit because my credit was now a train wreck. But what I had was this like really strong intuitive hit that I was supposed to be there. And so it starts with the question, opening up your mind, like, how can I do this? How could this be possible? What could I do? And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to make a list of at least 10 different ways that I could come up with the money, no matter how crazy. And let's say we're, see where we get. And so I thought, oh, what could I sell for 50,000? Could I sell 50,000 things for a dollar? Could I sell, you know, 10 things for $5,000? And I just went through and eventually like four of those things together got me there and at, at Necker Island, Richard Branson's private island, that's where I had the download for the next phase of my business, which was that we all have our own personal economy. And if I could shift enough individual entrepreneurs' personal economy, that would eventually tip the, the economy of the planet. And so then I thought, okay, how can I support other people to create their own personal economy of abundance? So this is where the creativity comes back in. And now instead of asking myself, how can I kill myself in a way that doesn't look like suicide? I'm asking myself, what can I do to help people put an extra you know, $500 in their pocket this week to attract more clients, to make more money? And by focusing on how I can support other people rather than what was you know, not going well in my life um, and being creative with those solutions, then what happened was as a byproduct, my business actually grew to triple where it was that next year trip where it was before the crash, which was pretty amazing. And that was by, again, fo- shifting the focus, right? And so I, I do feel that in my heart, I, I have the soul of an artist, Emerald. Mm-hmm. I do, you know, I wear it from the flamboyant clothes to the craftsy things. And in this particular lifetime, my art form of choice is not dance or illustration or sculpture. My art form of choice is business. And so when I'm doing my newsletter or when I'm designing my events or when I'm designing my programs, that that is a creative expression. I love it. I love it. So there's a piece that I want to just surface because I'm really feeling that for women in particular, this might be like what we'll call like a little bit of a hangnail. You had all these partnerships and you had collaborated with people to build this empire and then everything came crashing down. And for whatever reason, you made yourself bad about that to the point where you wanted to commit suicide, where you wanted to figure out a way to manipulate it so that it would look like it wasn't. And I'd love to have you talk a little bit, not, I mean, obviously your creativity pulled you out of that, but what I'd really like you to talk about here is, is there a way for us to help women in particular to not take on more than maybe their partners take on? Like everybody who partnered with you, they, they knew that they were taking a risk, right? But you like emotionally took on all of that yeah. to yourself. Yeah. So... Is there something that you help people with to help them kind of unhook themselves from that, that, I don't know, guilting, the guilt trip thing, so that they can be more prosperous? 
Well, this is one of my life lessons is taking on too much responsibility for other people, right? Because the truth is there's always some risk in investing and whether it's real estate or the stock market, or even if you just put cash under your mattress, you're losing money to inflation, you know, or your house could burn down. Like you're always invested somewhere. There's only five asset classes. There's real estate, stocks or business, bonds, currencies, commodities, right? So you're, you're always, always, always invested somewhere. You're never not in one or more of those five things. And every single one has different risks and rewards that, that can even change with uh, short-term and long-term economic cycles. And so there's always risk, right? So what is it that had me feel like I was taking on that given that they, that yes, they're aware that there's risk in any investment, no matter where your money is really just to, to be completely raw with you, Emerald, I did not see any possibility that I wasn't going to be able to pay these people back as agreed because mm -hmm. I had, you know, I had redundant plans. I had multiple properties. I had my, I had income from this other business. I figured if one thing didn't work, I could take money from something else and that would cover it. So it never occurred to me that it could get that bad. And I thought, yeah, I might lose money. You know, I might even go bankrupt at some point if things really don't work well. But like, I, like there is no way that I will not pay people back. Like mm -hmm. my, my integrity is so strong. There's like no freaking way that that is ever going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so I think part of it was really just, um, being naive. Like mm -hmm. I, I didn't cause the subprime mortgage crisis and that, that is way bigger than me. Right. Mm -hmm. So even though, you know, I had all my plans and backup plans, there, there's just, there's things that are outside of my control, right? So I think that it, to circle back to what you said, how can people kind of let go? I think it comes back to looking at what is your sphere of influence? What do you have control over? And given that, you know, I forget the guy's name, but he won a Nobel Prize for his findings in organizational decision-making. And what he discovered is that you never have all the information you need to make a decision at the time you need to make the decision. Mm. Ah, so frustrating, but you never have all the information you need. And so kind of like my, my recipe for life is you make the best decision you can with the information that you have available. You line yourself up with that choice. You're like, here's, here's all the reasons I'm making this decision right now. And then you deal with what emerges because new information might come out later and you're like, well, if I had known this, I may have made a different choice, mm. but I didn't know that, mm. you know? And so I really made the best decisions I could at the time. And so I think that that can kind of let you off the hook emotionally mm. is as long as you're making the best decisions you can with the information you have and lining yourself up with them, then you can cut yourself some slack. Mm, beautiful. We're, we're going to take a quick break right now uh, with everybody just cutting themselves some slack right now because you just do the best that you can with what you've got. I've actually been running that mantra over and over in my head since you and I had a conversation earlier this year. I've done the best I could. I've done the best I could. I've done the best I could. So thank you. To all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing, we are welcoming thousands of downloads from all over the world. I want to shout out this week to our listeners in Northern California, as well as our listeners in, let's do Japan, because that's where you uh, started to wake up to your entrepreneurial nature. Let's uh, shout out to our listeners in Japan, and we'll be right back with Penelope Jane Smith. 
The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Creative Age Consulting Group. Women, are you ready for a big revenue breakthrough so you can stop working like a man and being paid like a woman? Are you ready to take the leap and go deep to claim your value and convert your wisdom to wealth? Is now the time to fulfill your mission and change the world? Creative Age Consulting Group is hired by women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance and be heard by millions while building a sustainable business model that makes bank. Please visit apply.wealthylifemethod.com to apply for an invitation-only consultation. If you have been inspired to receive support in welcoming wealth by making your most heartfelt contribution to the world, be sure to apply for a consultation today. Once again, that is apply.wealthylifemethod.com or click in the link in the show notes to access the application. And we are back with Penelope Jane Smith. You can find out more about her at realprosperityinc.com. We will have the URL in the show notes. And um, Penelope, I want to ask you now, because we left it off at the break of let's just give ourselves a break, right? (laughs) Let's just remember that we're doing the best that we can. I want to talk now about how you actually help people to achieve real prosperity and to kind of blend their creative and their intuitive and their entrepreneurial natures together in a way that they're creating their own personal economy. Can you share a little bit more about what you've created to help people in this way? Yeah, of course. So it's like my favorite thing to talk about in the whole world, right? So my my passion is freedom. That's one of my highest values. And I've created this business to support women entrepreneurs specifically in creating financial freedom. Um, and there's many levels of that. There's a spectrum everywhere beneath, from being able to pay your bills to not having debt to having cash reserves to owning your home free and clear if that's what you want to do to ultimately having your investments pay for your lifestyle. So there's like all these milestones along that journey give you more and more and more freedom. And specifically women because the majority of financial products and services out there are designed for men by men. That's just like the natural default bias, whether they realize it or not. And they don't take into account women's differences in career path and goals and longer lifespans. And so what happens most of the time is that women end up with less money at retirement, but it has to last them longer. Ah, again, so frustrating. And then also entrepreneurs, you know, your income kind of goes up and down. And so how do you create a plan that allows for that? So that's why women entrepreneurs specifically. And so with that, whether you're a woman, a man, entrepreneur or not, there are three keys to creating your own personal economy of abundance. So the first one is financial education. You know, if you're listening to this, you probably have some level of formal education, like high school, college, even let's say kindergarten, you know, some level of formal education. So what did they teach you about money there? If you're like most of the people I've talked to, like probably not much, right? So when I say financial education, I mean, this is the outer game of money, the specific how to and how to make, save, manage, invest, and protect your money. Those are the five areas, make, manage, invest, 
Wait, make, save, save, manage, invest, protect. Yeah, make, save, manage, invest, protect. And so how do you do that? Like most people are taught one way to make money, sell your time. But as you know, Emerald, that is not necessarily the best way to make money, right? It's okay, but it's not the only way. And then what systems in place can you actually put to save, manage, invest, and protect? It's something you can continue to educate yourself on throughout your life and get better and better at it. The second key is prosperity consciousness. The financial education was the outer game, right? Prosperity consciousness is the inner game, the emotional, psychological, spiritual side of money. How do you expand your energy field to be able to attract, keep, and grow money and really have it working for you? That's an important piece because if you only have one and not the other, you're not going to get results. You need the outer game and the inner game together. And then the third key that actually helps integrate these is money systems. Money systems, specific repeatable processes for how to support these things because humans are just not naturally very good with money. You know, if you think about the entire evolution of human history, it's only been in the last like little tiny bit that making money, saving for retirement has been a thing, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's very, very new. Before that, it was like, okay, we're going to kill the buffalo. We're going to eat the buffalo. Like, just <laughs> So we, we haven't really built a deep understanding of this. So for example, one thing that humans naturally do is they practice bank balance accounting. They'll look in their account and say, oh, I have money, yay, and they'll feel like they can spend money. Or they look in their account and there's not a lot of money and they go, oh my God, I need to go get another client. Or I can't spend money until I get my paycheck or whatever it is. So that's fine. If you know that that's your natural inclination, then you can put a system in place for how to be able to save money given that you tend to spend it if you see it. So one system might be you have a separate account for a specific purpose, right? Like I know a lot of entrepreneurs, myself included, have gotten in trouble for not putting aside enough money for taxes. So maybe you have a separate tax account so that money doesn't accidentally get spent on something else, right? So that, that's one little example of a money system. Another one that I love is having a regular date with your money. Because there's all these things that we feel like we, we could do or should do, like transfer money to the tax account or review your investments or, you know, review your bookkeeper stuff, file your receipts, look at your accounts, like whatever it is. There's a lot of stuff that you could probably do to be a great steward of your money. So having like a sacred time and space to do that, and I call it a money date because just like you have date night with your spouse or your partner, It's like a date with your money to check in and say like, how you doing? What have you been up to? Where have you been? And when you connect with your money, when you give your money attention like that, you become a lot more attractive to money. So it comes to you. It stays with you. It grows for you for sure. So that's another example of a money system. Beautiful. I love it. Well, I want to talk now about, you know, one of the things that you've done, obviously, is you've created more than one business. Your business is primarily focused on money. But at some level, you at one point had a vision, right? And I I know that many of our wickedly smart women who are listening either have a vision or they're in the process of bringing their vision into fruition. And kind of separate from the money, there has to be this commitment to or valuing of the vision and valuing of the mission that they feel called into. So I'd love to have you talk just a little bit in this last few minutes that we have about whatever it is that you have done internally or that maybe you help your clients with 
to continue to value your vision and to continue to expand your vision and to continue to commit to and devote yourself to your vision? Mm -hmm. I think that when someone creates a business like I've created or like you've created, it really is an expression of yourself, an expression of your creativity, an expression of your vision and what you want to see in the world. A business like this isn't just about like, oh, I think I could make some money doing this. Mm. It's like, no, we have a message to share with the world. We have a vision that we're passionate about seeing manifest and we're going to be that change and we're going to do it and we're going to make it happen, right? And it's like, we want the world to know this thing, right? Mm. And all the way back when I was living in Japan and I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, I was like, do people know that there's another way? Do people know that they don't have to go and just like work for some company for 30 or 40 years that they could like have their own business, that they could have their investments, that they could be financially free and that the ultimate be at choice with what you do at your time. So you can make your choices from a place of freedom and joy instead of debt and obligation. So that's my vision. My vision is around elevating the prosperity of the planet so that people can make choices from a place of freedom and joy instead of debt and obligation. So even just in a, a baseline, making sure that everybody's basic human needs are met and then even exceeded beyond that. So we get to the point of like, well, now what do we want to create, right? So that's a vision I get really excited about. And I think if you're drawn to this podcast, you probably have a vision that you're excited about too. Like, do people know that you don't have to age or do people know that you don't have to have health, you know, pain in your body or do people know that you can find an amazing relationship or do people know that you can have like super amazing sex? Like you probably have something that you're like, people need to know this because it's life-changing and it's amazing, mm -hmm. right? And so you're going to build your business around that message and to get that message out. And that's reflected in how you market your business. It's reflected in your business model and how you work with clients. Um, and it's reflected everywhere. So one of the things that I do to tune into my vision is I have a series of planning rituals where I actually do some introspection and tuning in. So Mondays is my day to not have any appointments most of the time. Sometimes I'll book a massage. Sometimes I'll squeeze something in there. But for the most part, it's just spacious because it's that spaciousness that really allows me to tune in to my guidance. And that's when I'll do things like active imagination, you know, journaling with my guidance. Um, I also have this planner that I use um, called the, <laughs> the rituals for living dream book and planner. This is by um, dragon tree. And in the beginning, it has you fill out like all these questions. So once a year, I journal on all these questions and see like how it's changed. And then once a quarter, I do planning for the quarter and then planning for the month, planning for the week, planning for the day. So from this series of planning rituals from the, the mega all the way down to the day, then I'm able to tune into my vision and then continue to channel it into my quarterly, monthly, weekly, daily actions so that I'm moving towards and living into my vision. Love it and maintaining. Yeah, well, and maintaining the momentum that allows you to both uh, bring your mission to life and make money as well. We are at the end. It's amazing how quickly this goes. I am so grateful for your presence here today, Penelope. It was such a pleasure. I really loved what you brought to the table. 
I knew it was going to be amazing. And I'm really grateful that you took the time out of your busy schedule, creating personal economies and helping other people to create personal economies so that the entire world is elevated. Yes, please, more please of that. Um, listeners, we do love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's show or sending questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open and remember you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to review and rate Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.